That's good to be in the house of the Lord, and a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. And these are the times when we need to laugh, don't we? And to count it all joy. To count it all joy, praise the Lord. Well, I want to talk about, are you weary on the inside? And I got the well right here, because Jesus sat down by the well. And the Bible tells us in the book of uh, Isaiah, Therefore, with joy shall ye draw water from the wells of salvation. So we got the joy down after watching Tim Hawkins talk about bad candy. Uh, Candy corn. Never a fan of that. Bad candy. All right. Have you ever been weary? On October 7th, 2007, I got weary. October 7th, 2007, I got weary. I was stopped by the police, high heat and humidity, no wind and no water caused the cancellation of the Chicago Marathon. I made it to mile 17, and boy, was I weary. In my heart of hearts, I was actually glad he stopped it because I wasn't sure I was going to be able to finish it. People were dropping off, dropping like flies all around us and constantly hearing the sirens of the ambulances coming up and picking up those poor runners And I think it's the first time that the Chicago Marathon was ever stopped in the middle of the race due to dangerous conditions. They say it got up to 89 degrees. Humidity probably was in the 90s. There was absolutely no wind. And the lead runners, of which I was not, I was kind of the the slow runner in the back. The lead runners would go to the water stations and they'd take those water cups. They'd just take them, just douse themselves with it, drink and move on. So by the time uh, uh, runners that were at my pace would reach the water stations. There was no water to be had. And uh, so that's uh, very, very challenging. And the Chicago Marathon would get up to 40,000 marathon runners. It's a great marathon. They'd have a million spectators. I I think we ran it four times, my wife and I and others ran it four times. And uh, so we'd be running. And uh, I remember by about mile six to eight, uh, they had a couple of volunteers with a jug of water pouring, uh, pouring water in little Dixie cups as Thousands of runners descended trying to get a drop of water. My wife's legs were seizing of cramping about mile 13, wasn't it? And she'd be running, then she'd just drop down to the pavement. And I'd be running alongside with her. I'd say, get up, get up, let's go, let's do this. But boy, boy, was I weird. And the thing about it is, I was in, I believe, the best shape of my life for marathon running. I mean, I'd already run a number of them, I think this is probably my fourth marathon, I think, and I'd run it, and I did the great training, I felt like I was in the best shape of my life, and uh, there's no way I wasn't going to finish this marathon, and uh, you know what, I grew weary, Hmm. I did not anticipate the weariness, and sometimes it hits you, sometimes life happens to you, that day was a certain day that it happened, They ended up canceling that marathon. The Bible has a lot to say about weariness. Did you know, according to Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it says that you can get weary if you are in a long season of hard work without much reward. That's right. It says in Galatians 6, verse 9, let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So maybe that describes you, a long season of hard work without much reward. Also, the scripture tells us this, that you can get weary by trying to please God through commandment keeping and a legalistic mindset. Just trying so hard on that performance treadmill. 
Matthew eleven twenty eight says in the NIV, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And the context has to do with really the... the uh, the requirements placed on you by religious leaders and uh, that commandment keeping, that performance, that legalism of working, 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 trying to please the Lord. And that just is a burden too great to bear. According to the scriptures, you can get weary in the fight against sin and your failures. That type of, uh, you know, fighting that good fight of faith and trying to Present your members as instruments of righteousness and holiness and battling sin, the flesh, and the devil, right? It tells us in Psalm 6, verse 6, a Psalm of David, who says this, I am weary with my groanings. All night I make my bed swim. I drench my couch with tears. And in that context, weary, I mean, he's, he's crying, he's weeping, he's repenting over his failures, his sins before the Lord. According to the scriptures, you can get weary just simply in your daily walk with God. We know the scriptures out of Isaiah chapter 40. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Just the every single day of life, uh, getting up on Monday morning and going through your day, then getting up on Tuesday morning and going through your day. And just as life moves forward and you can grow weary just in your daily walk with God and running the race that is set before you. And you can get weary fighting the devil. The Bible tells us in the book of Daniel, this is talking about the the great ruler to come, the Antichrist. He shall wear out, wear out the saints of the Most High. And that spiritual warfare, fighting that good fight of faith, it can wear you down. I found this out. I don't know if you agree with this, but I found this out for myself. You can be weary in your body, your soul, your mind, and your spirit. On that marathon that I was running, I grew weary in my mind and in my body. It's one thing to run 26.2 miles and you get weary in your body. You train for that. But when the mind goes, I want you to know it's over. That's called hitting the wall. Hitting the, I don't know if you've ever heard of hitting the wall. That's when you're more than just physically tired, but your mind then gives up. Your mind is now so tired that, you know, every step seems like, oh my gosh, this is an impossibility. I got two more miles to go. You think two more miles, that's just right around the corner. But when you've hit the wall, those two miles could be 200 miles because your mind doesn't want to do this anymore. So you can get, you can get weary in your, your, your body, your soul your mind, even in your spirit, even in your spirit. Jesus grew weary on his journey. Listen to what it says in John 4, 4 to 6. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey... Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, or sat down beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. That's 12 noon. That's noon. Six hours, 12 noon. Jesus grew weary on his journey. Have you ever gone, gone weary? Have you ever felt like, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, I'm fatigued, spiritually or emotionally? In your mind, I tell you what, in this day and age, it's, 
You can get weary, right? Because so much has changed, so much uncertainty, so much you have to deal with, a lot of fears, a lot of uncertainties, a lot of change, a lot of things taking place, and it can just press on you and wear on you. The Bible says that Jesus sat down, sat down. So he came to the well, the well of Jacob in the city of Sychar in the region of Samaria. And the Bible says he sat down by the well. Are you weary on the inside? You need to follow that example. You need to sit down. Stop. Cease from activity, as it were. Regroup. Grow still in your spirit. Slow down. Chill. Chill. That's what you need to do. I want to answer this question first and foremost. Why was Jesus weary? Why was Jesus weary? He's a son of God, but he also was man. God in the flesh. He grew weary. Let me tell you, if Jesus can grow weary in his journey, we can as well. I mean, I'm looking out. I'm not seeing anybody better than Jesus here. Not seeing it. Not seeing it at all. So Jesus grew weary and he sat down at 12 noon by the well, Jacob's well. Why was Jesus weary? Number one, it was a long walk. If you read the beginning of this chapter in John chapter 4, he had heard that the Pharisees had found out that he was baptizing or his disciples were baptizing more than John the Baptist was. Well, what does that mean? Well, there's contentions there. The religious leaders were going to use that to sow discord between John the Baptist and Jesus, John's disciples and Jesus' disciples, kind of bring competitive spirit there. And Jesus knew that there's going to be strife, there's going to be division, there's going to be like this this attack on John's ministry and on Jesus' ministry and his people. And, And so Jesus, instead of confronting that, it wasn't the time to confront that, he says, I'm getting out of here. So the scripture says he's leaving Jerusalem and heading on up to Galilee, so leaving southern Israel, heading on up to northern Israel, and he passed through the region of Samaria. Samaria divided the northern part with the southern part. Normally, they'd walk around the Jews' wood, go all the way around to not pass through Samaria. Why is that? Because the Jews that were in Samaria were half-Jews. Or as they would say on Harry Potter, they were mudbloods. Mudbloods. Half-Jews. You see, the Jews were carried away captive by Assyria back in the 722 B.C. And those Jews intermarried with the Assyrians. They later came back and settled in the land of Israel, only they were part Jew, part world. Part people of God, part people of the world. And the true Jews, or so they thought, those are the Jews carried away by Babylon in 586. They maintained the purity of their ethnicity or their religion. They didn't intermarry. They returned in 586 and, oh, the religious prejudice and bigotry between the Jews and Samaritans was so great. The Jews thought that they were dirty or filthy or unclean not true believers. And so they wouldn't pass through that region. They'd walk all the way around it. But Jesus, the son of God, of course, he came for the whole world, right? He's got to go through Samaria. He's on a divine assignment, a divine appointment, part of which is to reach this woman who then would reach her town with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it was a long walk. He had already walked approximately 20 miles. If he started his day at 6 a.m., it's now 12 noon. He'd already put in about 20 miles. I've learned this, that life is a marathon, not a sprint. 
And there are real challenges to longevity. You're going to live your life. There's challenges to longevity. There's challenges to longevity in working a job, in being married, in raising children, in pastoring a church. Anytime you're going to stick with something over the long haul, there's challenges uh, that, that are greater than just stepping in and stepping out real fast. Such as the challenges of longevity and walking with Jesus. One of the challenges I find is maintaining your passion for the Lord. You know, the priests were told in the, in the Old Testament, keep your fire burning. Well, that's a challenge to keep your fire burning. We tend to grow lukewarm in our relationship with God. We, we tend to let things slip and uh, it gets used to certain things. And we can lose our passion. We can lose our faithfulness. We can lose our fruitfulness. These are challenges to longevity. Keeping our passion, remaining faithful, staying fruitful. How about this one? Overcoming offenses. That's a challenge to longevity. The longer you live, the longer you're in something, the more offenses you will face. And you have to practice forgiveness. You got a major on the majors, a minor on the minors. You got to overlook certain things, cover certain things, move past certain things, overcome certain things. The longer you're in it, the more these things happen. And if you don't watch yourself, you can grow bitter and angry. And that can sabotage your marriage, your ministry, your very life. Jesus was weary because it was a long walk from Jerusalem up to Galilee. I got this quote from Eugene Peterson. He's the one that uh, produced the Message Bible. It says this, There is a great market for religious experience in our world. There is little inclination to sign up for a long <laughs> apprenticeship for holiness. I should try that again, but I'm afraid to. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it afraid. That's courage. Doing it afraid. There's a great market for religious experience in our world. There is little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship for holiness. Thank you. Thank you. Such courage. What a man of God. What a man of God. But he says, little inclination to sign up for the long haul. They just want the, the, the feeling, the experience, but the long haul. He wrote a book, Long-Term Obedience in the Same Direction. That quote came out of that book by Eugene Peterson. Long obedience in the same direction. Long obedience. Sticking with it. The Bible talks about the virtues of perseverance, patience, endurance, faithfulness. It's hard in our microwave type of society or culture in which we live. But we realize that the Bible teaches us to remain faithful, to fulfill our call, to run our race, to finish our task, to stay in there. So Jesus is in this long walk. And of course, if you're in it for the long haul, whatever it is that you're doing, you'll grow weary along the way. Jesus did. Number two, why was Jesus weary? Because he was halfway. He was traveling from Jerusalem to Galilee. He was halfway, and halfway there can be discouraging. I was thinking about the English Channel. 
The English Channel. Yeah, you heard the you heard the story about the man. He's swimming across the English Channel. It's about a twenty-one mile journey. Unless the tide gets you, or the current takes it, then it can it can take you up to over a hundred miles because you're zigzagging around. But straight across is a twenty-one mile swim, and people swim it all the time. And this guy, he's swimming across the English Channel. He lost his endurance and his strength. He got halfway across. I'm too tired, so he turned around and swam back. <laughs> halfway is very, very challenging. I remember my very first marathon, my wife and I ran it in 2005. Uh, we ran our very first marathon, and our first marathon was the Disney Marathon. So we flew down to Orlando, Florida in January to run this marathon. And back then, they had just started this marathon, and so they ran the half marathoners with the full marathoners in the same race. And uh, so those half marathoners, the sissies that they were, they're in the race with us full marathoners. And so my wife and I, we had trained with our daughter, and she ran the Chicago Marathon a few months earlier and completed that. I think we had a trip to Africa at the time, so we couldn't run it with our daughter, but we trained with our daughter. But we're going to run this thing uh, there in Disney in the month of uh, January. And so uh, we flew down there. It is a beautiful day. We had to get out uh, to catch our bus to the parking lot, I think at four in the morning, because they wanted to start it, was it at five in the morning or six in the morning? Right around there. And uh, you run through all the theme parks for that 26.2 miles. So it's great. But the half marathoners, the sissies, they're running this thing with us. And so my wife and I, we're running this race and we're making our way through. And I remember coming to the halfway point, all the sissy half marathoners were pulling off and uh, they were they You literally ran past their finish line. And they're there, they're eating their bananas and drinking their chocolate milk and the music is playing. They're giving each other high fives and we are halfway done. I remember thinking to myself, I'm pretty tired. I'm pretty tired. When you have as much still up ahead as you do behind and you're already tired, you wonder, am I going to make this? There's something about being halfway that can be very discouraging. Maybe you're halfway through, a, through schooling. Or a project, halfway through medical treatment, or a diet, or a program you're going through, or even life itself. Can I say this? Keep moving forward. There's something discouraging about being halfway. This is what it says in Nehemiah chapter 4. They're rebuilding the wall, and it says in verse 6, So we built the wall... And the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. So they're halfway done. For the people had a mind to work. And I tell you what, it's easy to start. You have more energy at the start of a marathon than you do halfway through it. Guaranteed. And I want you to know the excitement of starting a marathon is just awesome. I mean, when we started that Disney marathon, there's probably about 30,000 runners. And uh, they started off with music and fireworks. And we're just so happy we're on our way. But at the halfway point, us full marathoners, not the sissies, not the, but the full ones, you know, we weren't celebrating. We were kind of running past these people looking and uh, making fun of them. But at the same time, kind of wishing we were there with them. Right? Right? Hmm. And so the people had a mind to work. Then it says, then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing. 
And there's so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. So they started with all this enthusiasm. They had a great vision. They had a mind to work. They started it. They got it halfway done. The next thing you know, Judah said, Judah means praise. You lose your praise halfway sometimes. You start looking at the rubbish. You're looking at the project, looking at all the discouragements and all the obstacles and all the challenges. And the Bible says they lost their strength. They grew weary. And they said this, we're not able to do this. Halfway takes discipline, requires energy, requires perseverance. There's a drive that is necessary to succeed through the halfway and on into completion. That's why this COVID thing is so challenging is, when's it going to end? Are we halfway or not? Governor opened us up. We got it behind us. Everything's opening up. The economy's improving. And then she just comes out and she's, we're going backwards again. She's shutting some things down and threatening to shut it down even more. And, and uh, so what's going to happen in the fall? And are the children going to go to school? And is there going to be a second wave? And what happens if there's a second wave? And how much longer are we going to go, have to go? We don't even know if we're near the end, halfway, or still at the beginning. And it can get to you. It can wear you down. Anybody got a witness on that? It can wear you down. The third reason why Jesus grew weary and had to sit down by the well is because, as the scripture here gives us indication, it was noonday. The Bible says it was the sixth hour, which is noontime. So the heat of the day, the sun is out, noontime, he's gotten weary. Now, the son can represent Jesus Christ. He's the son of righteousness. The son represents the faithfulness of God. It rises faithfully in the east. It makes its circuit, settles down in the west. Represents the faithfulness of God. Represents Jesus Christ himself with healing in its wings or in its sunbeams. But the son also represents trials and tribulations. It tells us that in Matthew 13, verse 6, the parable of the sower, when it says this. But the plants soon wilted. Under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. So the plants wilted under the hot sun. Then Jesus interprets this parable, and the hot sun is persecution and tribulation. So the very sun that the plant needs for the photosynthesis process to make food, the plants need the sunlight to grow and to flourish, That same sun represents trials and persecutions. So think about it this way. We need the sun, trials and persecutions, to cause us to grow and flourish as the planting of the Lord. That's right. You need the sun beating down on you. Trials and persecutions. Hmm. So the sun is beating down on our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's 12 noon. It's the heat of the day. And he grew weary. Weariness is a tactic of Satan. He loves to wear out the saints of the Most High. If you go through a prolonged trial, trust me, you're going to grow weary in that prolonged trial. These are hot times in which we're living. We've had a beautiful summer, haven't we, in Michigan? Well, maybe not so much today. Look at that rain out there. But it's been a beautiful summer. My wife is even happy with the summer up here in Michigan. I think we've lived here 35 years now, and it's the first summer she's ever been happy. Let's give, let's give my wife a round of applause. 
Well done. Celia wakes up and says, this is a great summer. It's been sunny and it's been hot. There hasn't been any rain. I've loved this Michigan summer. I've never heard her say that. It'll soon fade away come fall. Because she'll start cursing the coming winter. (laughs) These are hot times. Hot times. Hot times. Summer in the city. Back of my neck getting dirty and gritty. We got... Why did I say hot times? Well, listen to this. Virus, financial loss, civil unrest, unemployment, political fighting, uncertainty, a disease, loss, all these times. And I want you to know it's like the sun just beating on us, going through these trials, and it can wear you out, can wear you down. Well, Jesus had an answer to his weariness, and I want to talk about this. I'm going to close, right? This is the answer to the Lord's weariness is the answer to our weariness. He's in this long journey. He's halfway. It's noontime. The sun is hot. He's going through great trial. And what did Jesus do to cure his weariness? He sat down by a well. He sat down by a well. We need to make sure we're sitting down by a well, right? A well in those times was a place of refreshment. Israel has a desert climate, and they dug wells in the desert so that they might water their crops and refresh themselves. It was a well filled with water. Jesus sat down by a well. And we know that this well symbolizes our salvation. And the water that comes from that well symbolizes the life-giving presence of the Holy Spirit. And when we grow weary, we need to learn to sit down by a well. Bluntly put, Jesus is our well and the Holy Spirit is our living water. You agree with that, don't you? Now listen to what it says in Numbers 21 verse 17. Then Israel sang this song. So the the Israelites are in the wilderness, right? In the wilderness. Then Israel sang this song. Spring up, O well. All of you sing to it. That's Numbers 21, 17. Spring up, O well. All you sing to it. Well, how are we going to draw water from the well of our salvation? We know Jesus Christ. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the the prescription for our weariness when we are filled with the Lord and the power and the strength that comes from him, knowing him and his presence in our life. He is able, he strengthens us, right? He strengthens us in our weariness. Well, how are we going to draw water? Well, out of Numbers 21, verse 17, the Israelites were commanded to sing to their well. And if they would sing to their well, then living water, life-giving water would flow up from that well. Same thing today, spiritual significance for us here today is this. Jesus is our well, and if we sing to him, then his spirit is going to flow. It's when you worship him and praise him, he inhabits our praises, he pours out his spirit, his life-giving water flows in an attitude of worship and praise to Jesus. Hallelujah. Sing to your well, Jesus. 
Worship the Lord and God's presence will flow into you. My wife and I were driving to church today and I said, let me put on some praise music. So I pulled one up on YouTube and we just played it in the car and sang to the Lord. And it was no one but you. Don't you like it? There's a new song we learned. Haven't sung it since the Spirit of God moved upon and poured out a spirit on and really did great with it. But we haven't sung it since. Not exactly sure why. <laughs> but since we're not singing it here, I'm going to sing it in my car. No one but you. And so we're worshiping the Lord. And when you worship the Lord, it stirs the presence of God. It stirs the presence of God. It's interesting. I, did, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but it's in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, the Bible says this is the, the refreshing where he causes the weary to be refreshed. And it talks about speaking in tongues. Did you know when you pray in the Spirit or pray with the Spirit in a heavenly language, that stirs the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. So it's when you tap into that well, right? And Jesus sat down, I like this, by Jacob's well. Jacob's well. Jacob the patriarch. This was an old well. It was an old well. Jacob gave this well to his son Joseph over 2,000 years ago. Did you know that well is still there? It's been 2,000 years since Christ sat down beside it. 4,000 years ago, Jacob dug this well and gave it to his son Joseph. 2,000 years ago, Jesus sat down by this well and drew water from it. And it's still there 2,000 years ago. Now, let me say this. The old ways still work. When I say the old ways still work, I'm talking about the pathway to the Lord, the message of the gospel, the spiritual disciplines that the Bible talks about, those answers for your weariness, uh, that, that which covers your sin, that which leads to eternal life, the gospel, the cross, worship, prayer, Bible reading, meditation, church, fellowship. These are the old paths. They still give life-giving water today. Still what we need today. Hallelujah. The world has their prescriptions on what ails this culture, this nation, and what is the prescription for it. But as believers, my wife talked about this, we're people of the word. We're people of that worship. We're people of salvation. We believe in those things. I still go to God for forgiveness. I still believe in Bible meditation and Bible memorization and the old paths, the cross, the gospel. You can't improve on that. Jesus sat down by Jacob's well, the well that he passed on to his son Joseph. Now listen, the old spiritual disciplines still work. You can't improve on them. They still work. If you need God in your life, if you need more of God in your life, if you need strength for your weariness, if you need forgiveness for your sins, if you need a message to encourage you, it's still found in the word, in worship, in prayer, in fasting, in calling on his name. Somebody say amen to that. Jacob gave this well to his son Joseph 2,000 years earlier, which meant he passed on his well to his son. He passed on his well to his son. And I want you to know that we need to make sure we're passing on 
our faith and the legacy of our faith to our children and our children's children. As I said, you can go to Israel and visit this well right now. It still works. It's still in existence. Authentic Christianity and the gospel message is still around and it's still the answer. Where did Jesus sit? By a well, by Jacob's well, but not by a broken cistern. Now, let me ask you this question. When you get weary, when you get discouraged, when you get overcome, what well do you sit down by? What well do you sit down? Where, where do you sit to draw strength from, to draw encouragement from? Jesus sat down by Jacob's well. Not by a broken cistern. Listen to what it says in Jeremiah 2.13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that hold no water. Broken cisterns are the answers from the world. It's an empty vessel that the world says, come and draw from this. Such as entertainment. Pleasure, friendships, recreation, education, hobbies, vacation. The world says, sit down and draw strength. This will help you. This will be your answer. But it's really not the answer. My wife and I, we went on vacation a couple weeks ago. I love vacations. I always believe. What? You devote daily, you withdraw weekly or worship weekly, and you vacate yearly. Believe in that. So we went on vacation for a week, went out to Denver and had a wonderful time. We ran Red Rocks. If you ever been to Red Rocks there in the Denver area, it's a beautiful outdoor concert cut in the Red Rocks of the mountain. And uh, you can start at the foot of that and you can go up and down every row. So you're making your way up. And as you look out, you see downtown Denver way off in the distance, right in the beautiful Red Rocks of that mountain. And you run every row, and it's almost a three-mile run as you're going up to the river. My wife, we, every time we go there, almost every time we run Red Rocks with our daughter. We ran Red Rocks. We, we went hiking. Uh, we went swimming. We took the grandchildren to the Garden of the Gods and uh, uh, went hiking and climbing with our grandchildren. And uh, we went out to eat with Jake and Hannah. And Jacob, praise the Lord, he even paid for one of the meals. Uh, I took a picture of it. So I wouldn't forget the miracle that just happened. And another miracle just happened. We got back and my son and his wife took us out and he picked up the check. Well done. I took a picture of that too. I should, I should find those two pictures and next Sunday when I come, we can post it. Uh, right before we pray for the miraculous to happen. Look. Anyway. <laughs> And so vacation ends, we go to the airport, we cry, we pray, we say our goodbyes. And uh, man, that vacation was wonderful, but you know what? It didn't solve any issues. You're still here. (laughs) The COVID is still here. I'm still married. Oh, I'm sorry. You know what I mean, right? Everything that we left is back here waiting for us. Everything, the bills, the job, the challenges, 
the marriage, the family, the house, the chores, the responsibility, it's all still here. That's not a lasting, not lasting solution. It could be temporary. It could be a blessing. It is a blessing. I firmly believe in vacations. It's a great. Uh, we got our, 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 our vacation coming up the end of August where we go down to Hilton Head. We do this every year. It's a two-week vacation down in Hilton Head. And I tell you what, it's just a flesh fest for me and my wife. It's just, we just cater to the flesh and we just enjoy ourselves. But once again, that comes to an end and we come back to the daily responsibilities of life to the daily walk with God, to fighting the good fight of faith, to saying no to the flesh, to, to saying no to the, to the devil, right? And the only way really we can deal with our inner issues of weariness and discouragement and anxiety and fears is if we learn to sit down by the well of the living water through Jesus Christ and his precious Holy Spirit. He's our answer. He's always been our answer. He always will be our answer. We love and serve our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Remember, your true strength comes not from this world and the broken cisterns that the world says, drink from this, but ultimately from the Holy Spirit. Why well, title this message, are you weary on the inside? Feel like you've lost your strength? It's gotten the better of you? Or you're tired from the constant bombardment that's out there? From the world, the flesh, and the devil are three great challenges that we face every single day. Listen, you can't rebuke your way out of things. You know, the devil might depart for a season, but he's coming back. Am I right about that? And you can't find a place of spirituality where you're not going to be tried anymore. Well, you know, I'm really, I'm so close to Jesus, I don't face trials anymore. And temptation isn't even a part of my life anymore. I don't, don't believe that at all. Don't believe that at all. We're soldiers in God's army, and so we will be until the day we see Jesus face to face. And what a great day that's going to be. When you're weary, what should you do? Sit down by a well. Relax, cease, rest, lay your burden down, sit at his feet, and draw water from that well, the Holy Spirit. It is they that wait on the Lord that renew their spiritual strength in God. What has happened to you is not something too great for you to handle through Jesus Christ. For God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able. He limits the strength of it and he limits the length of it. He will equip you every single day. And give you the supply of his Holy Spirit every single day so that you can be an overcomer. So that we can overcome in the midst of this and shine our light brightly. Amen? We can overcome in this. Sit down by a well. Draw water from that well. And may I say this? Minister your strength to others. If you've been refreshed, then you can refresh others. Proverbs tells you that. If you've been refreshed, then you can refresh others. Let there be a river of life flowing out from you, right? To touch the lives of others. Bow your head in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. 
Jesus, how we love you today. Jesus, how we love you. I really felt like the Lord laid this message on my heart for those that are weary. I've gotten weary. I'm sure you've gotten weary. Our answer is in Jesus Christ. You're sitting down right now physically. Just place yourself by a well right now, just in your imagination. Place yourself right by a well and say, that well is Jesus. And with joy, with joy, begin to draw water from that well. Oh, Lord, come into my heart. Flow into me, Holy Spirit. Quicken me, O oh God. Make me alive unto you. Lord, we wait in your presence. Spirit of God, just begin to stir me. Just begin to pour into me. You're my help. You're my hope. You're my strength. You're my everything. You're my source. You're my all in all. I draw from you today. I draw from you. I'm laying my burden down. I'm going to stop trying to manage this and control this and fix this. It's in God's hands. I give it to God. I cast my care on the Lord. He is the one that takes care of me. I just give it to you right now. I give my worries and anxieties and fears and burdens and cares and discouragements to you, O Lord, right now. Holy Spirit, just begin to flow. Just begin to flow right now. If you're here in the presence of the Lord and you want to give your heart to Christ to be saved, to become a child of God, you want me to pray with you for you right now, I will do so. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Tim, I want to give my heart to Christ to be saved, just raise your hand. I want to make sure we're all saved today. Give you an opportunity. If you're lost, raise that hand. I will pray with you. All right. Let's all stand in the presence of the Lord. Let's just begin to worship him. Lift up your hands. Sing to your well. Like it says in Numbers chapter 21. Spring up a well. Sing to it. Sing to Jesus. We worship you. We worship you. Come, Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord. We bless your name. You're our source, oh God. Open up your heart, open up your spirit, sing to your Savior, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Fill us up to overflowing, I pray in Jesus' name.
Just raise your hand in the presence of the Lord and uh, just going to call on the name of the Lord to pour out his spirit on you right now. Just as your hands are raised, your heart is open and you're thirsty for more of God. Come and drink, Jesus says. Come and drink and you'll never thirst again. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would answer my call right now and pour out your spirits. You promise to pour out your spirit upon all flesh. I pray, Lord, as our hands are lifted, as our heart is open, Lord, fill us. Fill us to overflowing. Grant us, Lord, uh, the the supernatural ability to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. Cause a, a river of living water to flow up and out and over and out of the abundance of our heart being filled with you. Our mouth speaks. Beautiful praise and worship and prayer unto our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Be filled. Be filled. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Be overflowing with the Spirit of God. Oh, Holy Spirit, come upon each and every person. Lord, like you did on the day of Pentecost, tongues of fire on every head, on every person. Fill us up. Fill us up. Fill us up overflowing with more of Jesus, more of your spirit. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit of the Lord. Be filled right now. Sing to him. Sing to the Lord. Give your praise to God. Speak out. Let God fill your mouth. Let your heart overflow. We call on your name, O Lord. Fill us up. Fill us up in Jesus' name.